Welcome to Thriller Premium. Welcome to Thriller Premium. In-depth coverage and timely analysis of macro and micro happenings in crypto. Welcome to Thriller Insider. gentlemen, boys and girls from around the world, welcome back to another exciting episode of Thriller Insider. Today is August 12th, 2019, and today we are talking Bitcoin ETFs. That's right. And so all we're talking about today is the Bitcoin ETF. We're going to talk about what was announced today from the SEC. We're also going to get into what an ETF is, right, and how this will affect Bitcoin long term and why it's needed in the space and what was leading up to it. So first off, let's talk about what an ETF is, right? So in short, an ETF is a type of investment fund that is tied to the price of an underlying asset, a commodity, an index. They're also tied to bonds or a basket of assets. Like an index fund, it is traded on exchanges available to both retail and institutional investors. But a Bitcoin ETF in turn would track BTC as the underlying asset. So it is indeed an indirect way of purchasing Bitcoin where the investor only holds the corresponding security without having to store the actual coins. So uh, this this helps a lot of older people that uh, aren't aren't able to understand this technology or even able to comprehend other than the price goes up. Right. Um, So. If listed on a regulated United States exchange, an ETF could pave the way for large institutional investors and hence push Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies in general toward a broader recognition by the entire investment space there in in Wall Street. Um, So that's why we have Vanek, uh, a a block. That's why we have the investment firm Vanek and a blockchain development company, SolidX. They've been trying to achieve this ETF for over a year now. Uh, A lot of people think that that is going to be the first ETF that gets approved. Um, The next one that we have here is the Bitwise Asset Management with NYSE ARCA. That was published uh, on the Federal Register on February 15th, kicking off that uh, 45-day clock. And then in total, a 240-day approve, reject, or, you know, straight up denied. Um, So... So we have those two, right? And then we have the ETF backed by Bitcoin and T-Bills one, and that's the Wilshire Phoenix and NYSE ARCA. Um, That's uh, hoping to offer shares in the United States Bitcoin and Treasury Investment Trust. So the fund manager would oversee the trust investing exclusively in Bitcoin and short-term U.S. Treasury securities. So we have all those working right now. We had a decision today, but before we get into that decision, let's play something to get you to understand exactly how this uh, ETF works. Okay. Let me just pivot a little bit and ask you about Bitcoin ETF. ETF sales are hitting record highs again. The SEC has once again denied several proposals for a Bitcoin ETF. Every time we hear about Bitcoin ETFs in the news, we see a reaction in the market. Recently, an April Fool's Day joke about the SEC approving a Bitcoin ETF was cited as a possible reason for the huge price spike. 
So, why are ETFs so important to the crypto market? While Bitcoin was originally designed to be an alternative to the traditional financial markets, today Bitcoin actually needs those financial giants. And in turn, Wall Street is eyeing crypto as a potential golden goose and want to get in on the action. And this is how Bitcoin ETFs might help them. Institutions are out there to make money too, and if they see a way to make money, they're going to go look for look for a way to participate in those markets. This is Hester Pierce, aka Crypto Mom, a commissioner at the SEC and an outspoken advocate for Bitcoin. She agreed to speak with us about her personal attitude toward a Bitcoin ETF, but not necessarily the views of the commission as a whole. I think you've seen real interest um, from institutional investors at looking at this asset class and saying, hey, this is an asset class that allows us to diversify our portfolios more. Uh, and, and so they want to have a way to invest in this asset class. OK, so let's get into the pros and cons of a Bitcoin ETF. This is very important to understand. First, as an investment structure, the pro is that this alleviates barriers such as logistics of buying, selling the underlying asset, and it solves custodial considerations because asset managers and people that are speculating or people that want exposure to this digital asset class, um, they can't self-custody um, on behalf of their of their clients, the ones that they that they serve. So some investment structures already invest in Bitcoin. We know that as a fact, as we've been watching it throughout the couple of years. But are they, they are only available to accredited investors, people that have a net worth of over a certain amount. A Bitcoin ETF would ensure fair access, since all types of investors could invest in. If a high net worth uh, person can invest one percent of his portfolio in it, why can't? you know, somebody else who's a regular person do it for retirement. And secondly, from a portfolio construction point of view, Bitcoin can be used as a trading tool to generate alpha or as a portfolio divester would, would say to asset uh, allocators in search of low correlation to traditional assets. So to appreciate Bitcoin for its uniqueness and asymmetric risk payoff profile, it first must be understood that it can be viewed as an option on digital gold. I mean, that's what we're talking about here. This is how they want to view it as, and therefore as a flight to quality asset in certain market conditions, which is will lead us to our next topic here in a second. But let me let me keep going here. So investment professionals are best qualified at handling questions pertaining to the sustainability uh, or the subtlety of investment in context of the overall financial portrait of the end investor. So uh, since investment dealers already deal with KYC and AML considerations, investors would not need to go through the process all over again. It would just become another provider for that digital asset. Now, the case against a Bitcoin ETF is you'll hear that all over crypto Twitter, right? So there's a lot of people that just do not want a Bitcoin ETF. They think it's going to you know, kill crypto. It's going to kill Bitcoin. And, and they all have their point. Uh, I think vast majority of people need to understand that this is going to happen. Uh, just the amount of research that we did today, it, it looks like, well, we'll get into that a little bit later, but let me just explain the case against it. So Bitcoin is a digital bearer instrument, right? Um, it's decentralized network. So you have the trappings for these people, these, uh, these investors, um, to fund structured limits in its usability, um, you know, as a as it's almost because we haven't built the guardrails yet for, you know, paying with Bitcoin. I mean, we have if you know what to do, but the vast majority of this network is basically peer to peer in nature, and the vast majority of it is sitting on a wallet somewhere. 
um, we we really haven't um, taken it upon ourselves to really start paying with Bitcoin on, on like an everyday basis. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's we made a lot of good strides this year to do it, but this is what the the case against for Bitcoin is. And special considerations must be taken for audit, custody, and insurance because such investment funds represent honeypots, especially when it comes to Bitcoin. Uh, they attract hackers. So. Furthermore, securities, securities lending and fork policies must also receive heightened scrutiny, heightened scrutiny as well. Because say if you have different forks that happens to be, uh, you know, that happens to go on, you know, you know, on Bitcoin, how do you deal with with forks with a fork policy? Um, like let's say somebody else comes out and they they want to make a Bitcoin forever, right? <laughs> like how does that work with uh, custodies? So they still have to get this due diligence kind of up to speed, and so it's just not ready yet, right? For stuff like that. But in the end, a Bitcoin ETF is not fundamentally required because everybody can buy Bitcoin right now. Coinbase has a, a vast amount of United States users out there. And uh, it's very likely that uh, a, a lot of people have already started investing in Bitcoin through Coinbase. But we don't have that investor, that, in, that you know, million dollar investor out there investing in Bitcoin. So what I am looking at here is from a retail perspective, because that's what we are. We're retail. So from a retail point of view, the question then becomes, how will this you know, affect the me? Like, how does this affect you? How does it affect me? Ultimately, we're kind of caught in this conundrum because in one way, this will help Bitcoin get solidified as a digital store of value, as digital gold, right? At least that's how they'll see it. That's how Wall Street will see it. But it will also give us the accountability when it comes to structure and it comes to regulation and it comes to custodianship and, and it comes to even probably, you know, you know, price and volatility. It could probably help out with that, too, as well over time. That is. But um, this is kind of where we're at. This is this is exactly where we're at right now. And so I want to play something. And this is from Matt. Hogan. He he is the the CEO of Bitwise Investments, and he is looking to you know create that next ETF. This guy provides a ton of knowledge. If you follow him on Twitter, I've been following him for quite some time now, and he just drops amazing information out there for free. And uh, his insight into um, why this ETF is important for Bitcoin is, is pretty profound. Take a listen. I had the good fortune of being involved in the ETF industry from its infancy to today when it's a four plus trillion dollar market. I was excited about a technology that had the potential to transform a big part of the financial universe. So when I was looking around for my next big thing, I wanted to find a similar situation, a technology that was new and exciting, potentially had broad or massive uh, possibilities of influencing the world, but where all the problems weren't solved. Crypto is that. Crypto is the most exciting area of finance right now. It has massive unsolved problems, and now I'm digging in and trying to figure it out a bit. So why is it the most exciting kind of development in finance <laughs> right now? Because for outsiders such right. as myself, it looks like this kind of just wildly speculative, you know, the uh, Wild West and, yeah. and that, that it could, you know, it, it, it and many other car, uh, technologies could possibly 
uh, be the next big thing, but it's just yeah, it's and it so seems speculative. it's and it seems insane, right? Like we could be sitting here in two years and be like, digital money? How did anyone think that was a thing? I totally get that. Um, why is it the most important thing? Uh, in the end, the funny thing about cryptocurrency and people get all excited. There's these celebrities and overhype. In the end, it's all about accounting. It's actually a better way of doing accounting. But it turns out that accounting and ledger keeping is hugely important. Our entire financial economy is built on that. Our entire democracy is built on that. We rely on accounting and ledger keeping for everything that we do. What crypto does is it eliminates the need for a middleman when keeping track of accounts. And when you think about the reason I said it's the most important, most exciting things, that middleman extracts an enormous amount of value, right? If I'm sending money overseas, international remittances, uh, that middleman is taking out 8% of what I'm sending abroad. So people who are working in the States, they literally work one month out of 12 for Western Union to send that money abroad. Cryptocurrency has the ability to eliminate that. And this disintermediation can happen in multiple sleeves of the financial industry, in healthcare, in food, in trade. It has opportunities that measure in the multi-trillion dollars in terms of the efficiency it can bring to the economy. That's why it's so exciting. But why do we need a cryptocurrency? I mean, I mean, why, for instance, you know, can't the banking system get more efficient and instead of, you know, clearing a check in a day or two, I mean, can't they develop software among themselves that they know the money's good in X bank and by yeah. transfer it to Y bank that they can recognize it right away? Yeah, I totally agree with that. Theoretically, they could. The problem is that position of middleman is a position of rent-seeking power. Right? When you think about wiring that money to, let's say, Africa, uh, what happens is I tell my bank to wire it. They find a U.S. bank like Bank of America that, with a relationship overseas. My money goes to Bank of America. Maybe it goes to Deutsche Bank. They translate it into euros. Then it goes to a bank in South Africa. Then it goes to another bank. That's how the wiring process works. Mm -hmm. It's like a daisy chain. Each person in that node has the ability and therefore they tendency to take a fee and a slice for their services. So could they theoretically make that more efficient? Yes. But what cryptocurrencies do is it doesn't make that marginally more efficient. It allows me to send money to that person in Africa today directly with effectively no middleman. It makes, it's the ultimate solution to that. So could they get inchwise closer? Yes, if they could overcome their tendency to seek rents as a middleman, but history suggests that they're not going to do that. So why not just cut it out entirely, make it permissionless, uh, make it direct peer-to-peer, -peer, uh, and eliminate that huge portion of fees that's getting sucked out by the financial industry today? I understand the appeal of that, but, but let me ask you about the ETF transition, where, where you're saying that you recognized, you know, you were an early ad adopter mm -hmm. of ETFs, you understood their, uh, the, the characteristics that you, that you thought would be transformative for individual investors, it certainly has been. What are the qualities that, that you saw in ETFs that you are seeing in cryptocurrencies? Well, I'll say two things, right? So one is a sort of community quality. If you go back 15 years ago, most of the big banks, most of the big active mutual fund managers dismissed ETFs as risky, uncertain, and likely to fail, right? And I think if you asked JP Morgan or American Funds or uh, any other major financial institution, do they wish they had jumped onto ETFs 15 mm -hmm. years ago? They would have said, of course, right. right? One of the biggest mistrades in the history of investing. 
Uh, today, you have large major financial institutions like JP Morgan and Goldman Sachs, et cetera, talking about Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies as a risk and a fad and potentially doomed to failure. I think if you fast forward, there's a chance that the same thing will be true, that they'll wish they had jumped on board. When you asked about what makes them similar, it's right. actually disintermediation. So ETFs are cheaper than mutual funds for lots of reasons. But the primary reason, honestly, the biggest chunk of fees that they cut out was when you used to buy a mutual fund, it would list on, say, Schwab's OneSource. And the mutual fund would have to pay Schwab 35 basis points for that listing. Schwab was an intermediary mm -hmm. between you as an investor and your ability to invest in that fund. What an ETF did is said, let's put that on exchange, eliminate the middleman, you can buy it directly and save those 35 basis points. It's just eliminating a middleman. The same thing is actually true in cryptocurrencies. So if you think about the arc of finance over the last 50 years and the next 50 years, it's been a constant process of disintermediation. That's what ETFs are about. That's what robo-advisors are about. Crypto's actually about the exact same thing. It's about eliminating the rent-seeking middleman through technology. And that's why I think they're similar in some ways. And that's why I think long-term, they'll be very important and succeed. Huge volatility in between, lots of risk and speculation. But long-term, it's a force towards disintermediation and efficiency and those tend to win out. I, I get that, but I also see some I mean, huge differences between cryptocurrencies and, and ETFs. And I'm thinking that, you know, um, I mean, the value of an, an ETF is based on the securities that, you know, mm -hmm. that make up that fund, that mm -hmm. the index that it's based on. Yep. Whereas with cryptocurrencies, there, you know, there, there's no, it's not based on any like tangible assets at mm -hmm. any rate or something that, that is trading on an exchange or that, that we understand, you know, like gold, you know, or stocks or bonds or, or any currencies that are issued by governments and regulated by governments. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's a huge difference because we're talking about something on software. It's very completely true. So there are yeah. big differences between yeah. ETFs and crypto. So what she brought up there is exactly right. And um, this is why we've seen a cleanup when it comes to regulatory action. The SEC has subpoenaed and charged a dozen of bad actors a massive cleanup and is now in constant dialogue with good actors in the space. As a result of the enforcement and monitoring, the DA itself has come out and said that criminal activity is no longer the main or significant use of crypto. You have the CFTC, FinCEN, the NYDFS, and FINRA have all been actively licensing and overseeing the space for more than a year. And the IRS has also provided and enforced a clear tax treatment since 2014. So... Beyond regulation, the industry is awash with not just capable new firms and human capital, but reputable mainstay counterparties in almost every category, from Fidelity to New York Stock Exchange to CME to Susquehanna to Jane Street to Cohen & Company to Deloitte Tax and PwC. This is all to say that the government spotlight is arriving at an incredibly opportune time with what happened with Facebook and how the Senate and the House we're talking about cryptocurrency and pretty much shining a light on bad behavior and why Facebook couldn't be trusted and why Bitcoin could. And this is all in really good news for a Bitcoin ETF. If we look further down, we can we also know that when it comes to monetary policy and what we've discussed with President Trump and the China trade and tariffs and currency wars, this ETF, not just Bitcoin, but ETFs in general, have 
currently it's a four or as of 2017, it's a four trillion dollar market. By 2022, there are people that research that it's going to be a 10 trillion dollar market. There's room in there for Bitcoin to receive vast majority of those trillions, if not if not at least one. So this new paradigm of currency devaluation is is happening. And even Ray Dalio has come out and said that he believes cash and bonds will not be reliable stores of value anymore. Historically, in periods of inflation and currency devaluation, scarce real assets such as real estate, gold, commodities, and we point out Bitcoin, right, are safe havens for wealth and a source of returns. But Ray Dalio has said that he his big, his big recommendation is to buy gold, which is not surprising. That's because we know it has been established long before as a non-sovereign store of value, which directly lines up with Bitcoin because you have the U.S. Federal Reserve chairman himself, Powell, referred to it as digital gold, but still a speculative store of value. So there's there's an abundance amount of just bullish information that is on the backs of the SEC right now to get this approved. So now let's take a look at the VanEck ETF. So I want you to listen to Gabor Gerbox. He is probably one of the most knowledgeable people when it comes to ETF, and he gives it out freely out there on Twitter. And he uh, he educates the vast majority of us of what's going on behind the scenes. Take a listen. We must ask, obviously, um, what is the current status of the Bitcoin ETF? How's it going? Yeah, so uh, you know, as you know, we have uh, been actively working with uh, Sardex to bring to market a physical Bitcoin ETF that's uh, insured and. Uh, and sort of works as a, as, as a regular ETF. We've been at it for a while and uh, and, and sort of uh, trying to get this approved. Right now it's under consideration. So um, we're going back and forth with the regulators and responses. Uh, the last time that it could be approved is uh, as, as mid-fall. mid, uh, mid uh, fall. So uh, we have some time to work out a few outstanding questions uh, for, for the fund. What, what do you think the chances of a Bitcoin ETF being pushed through are? Yeah, what are the chances? Yeah, it's it's a good question, right? It's like the billion-dollar question or more. If if <laughs> if you ask me, I I can't directly speak to a, a, a filing that is actively in registration. I think the um, the approval of a Bitcoin ETF uh, is serving the public interest, and I, I sort of tweeted this. If you wanna uh, follow me on Twitter, it's at my name, which is at Gabor Gerbax. Uh, I tweeted that there is liquidity benefits, there is custody benefits, there is regulatory and tax benefits of, of having an ETF uh, to market. So I think it's the regulator's best interest uh, to eventually approve the ETF. I, you know, I, I don't know when. Um, I just know that. Right now, uh, investors' best option is to go often offshore into unprotected platforms. So we are committed to uh, drive the process to change that and offer safer investor solu- investment solutions uh, to, uh, uh, to, to investors. Incredible. Uh, and uh, the, does the regulatory uncertainty within the crypto markets concern you? Do you think it's an easy problem to fix? Obviously, that's the problem with the SEC. That's their issue. Do you think it is a problem and a concern? I don't think so. It's just a new market. You know, there are certain things in place like you know, pricing, uh, custody, and, and tools to uh, make sure that the markets are not manipulated. 
we have solved the pricing problem with uh, MBIS or Vanex Holding and Subsidiary. So we think we have the right pricing solutions. I think the right custody solutions are coming. Uh, the structure that we have in place are, we think is appropriate. Uh, with respect to market manipulations, we have worked with uh, spot trading platforms or crypto exchanges and then put, you know, put some surveillance on some of those platforms. So right now the, the number of uh, uh, surveilled exchanges is growing. So I think we, you know, we have all the uh, answers to, to basically the, the questions that regulators have. And uh, so, so I'm, again, I don't know about the outcome, but uh, I'm, I'm always try, trying, to, trying to do the right thing to, to build a, a decent market. Yeah. Absolutely. And um, if a Bitcoin ETF got pushed through, say yours, um, do you think the, it, it might have a similar effect as it did on gold's ETF? Well, um, you know, no one knows. I mean, obviously, sort of institutions, an ETF has the potential to, to attract institutions and, and, and participants that cannot be in this market today for regulatory reasons. So I think there is, you know, some kind of impact there. But uh, I think uh, the most important thing is is that is, is accepting Bitcoin into the mainstream financial system and, uh, you know, knowing that it's not really the price impact that, that matters, but the the fact that the asset is alive and, and accepted to the uh, institutional system. So I think our focus should be more like, what are the ways in which we can enable uh, Bitcoin usage sort of across the uh, board? Because right now, people already have options to buy Bitcoins on exchanges, over the counter, you know, mine it in a bunch of ways. So it's just kind of weird that you can put it in a fund for it's, you know, Coinbase has more customers than one of the largest, the, the largest brokerage firm in the United States. If that's not telling, then what is, right? Kind of coming back to the idea, does Bitcoin really need an ETF? What, what's your ideas on that? No, Bitcoin doesn't need an ETF. Like, I, you know, I'm a, I'm a Bitcoin fan and I think uh, Bitcoin is in itself is a really interesting technology. And, uh, you know, similarly, gold didn't need an ETF to exist for five to seven thousand years. But... I think the in order to make the process of you know an ETF has unique benefits, uh, for instance, liquidity through the secondary uh, market or the uh, uh, authorized participant market, proper tax documents, which which are kind of a pain today to manage, uh, and uh, there's sort of like reinvestments, uh, tax-free type of reinvestments at the end of the year, basically reinvestments from forks and blockchain-based corporate actions are tax advantage in an ETF form. And it's way it's you know for mom and pop it might be inappropriate to to hold their own keys and they don't know and you know 95% of people don't know how to hold their keys so it's just a an easier vehicle to to provide access to to Bitcoin itself. Eventually, I think the financial system will be enriched by the unique qualities of, of what Bitcoin brings, like key management and having your owning your own keys and having the right to your own assets. It's just we need to. What I what I like to say is we need to walk before we run, and uh, an ETF is walking before we would run to a completely new world. Yeah, yeah that's that's an interesting way of putting it. And and do you do you think? I mean, obviously there's a there was a huge hype around the ETF and ETF back in 2018. Um, do you think it's overhyped now? Um, I you know I don't know how to answer that question. I think uh, we get more and more questions about sort of why does the ETF doesn't exist? And I'm like, well, you know, it's not on us. It's the, the regulator's job. Normally an ETF is uh, approved or disapproved within 240 days. And, you know, well in that, a lot of the standard ETFs gets approved before. I mean, it's like a uniquely complex area. And and uh, and so, so I guess it's different. The 
I love the fact that people learn about exchange traded funds in crypto and the young generation about investment vehicles. Like people didn't talk about uh, you know, exchange traded funds, how their attacks, how the liquidity of markets and what a market maker is before talking about like an ETF and, 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 and crypto. So the educational aspect of it is really valuable. I mean, everything is over <laughs> in crypto. So like in ETF, I don't, it's not, not an exce uh, exception. I, uh, I love the, the structural developments that come with it, like the right pricing indices with MVIS and Crypto Compare, the conference organizer. Uh, they're a unique reason, they, they exist to help ETFs and, and financial firms uh, to you know, benchmark different digital assets. So that's one practical result This comes with from the, the quest to get an ETF to market and custody solutions come out, surveillance to a better trading engine. These are all you know, benefiting the entire market because the ETF has such a high standard for everything that everyone needs to grow up. And, and I think you know, while the existence of ETF is often overhyped, the benefits that come from it and structural developments are actually really useful. Right. So let's get into what was announced today and ultimately the Bitcoin ETF getting delayed yet again. It was announced today that the Bitcoin ETF was going to get delayed till October. That's right. If we look at the news that was cited here today, the ETF proposed earlier this year by Asset Managers, Bitwise Asset Management, VanX, SolidX, and Wilshire Phoenix, and filed with exchanges NYSE, ARCA, and CBOE, BZX, are all seeking to become the first such investment vehicle based on Bitcoin. The filings were published in the Federal Register in February and June, kicking off the legally mandated 240-day clock on a final decision. Final decisions on the Bitwise and the VanX SolidX proposals are expected by October 13th and October 18th, respectively. The next decision on the Wilshire Phoenix proposal is scheduled to occur by September 29th. As we know, a number of companies have proposed Bitcoin ETS in recent years, and the regulatory agency, the SEC, that is, has yet to approve. And, you know, I took a look at the SEC paper because that's what I do. <laughs> and so what kind of kind of surprised me was this first one, the Phoenix ETF. This one was kind of surprising. There's only there's only has been six comment letters. So I don't know if you remember, but maybe about a month ago, the SEC opened up. Uh, they wanted to open up a dialogue with the space. They wanted people to, you know, send letters in so they can read over them and they could, you know, use that to kind of understand why they should, you know, allow this ETF to go through the 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 Wilshire Phoenix one has only received six comment letters on the proposed rule change. But if you look over here at the um, at the other two, so for example, the Bitwise ETF, if we look at that one, this was this was kind of kind of interesting. The Bitwise ETF has received a total of 50 comment letters on the proposed rule change. So that's a 50 individual letters sent to the SEC telling them to approve or not approve the ETF. And then if you look at the Van Eck one, this was interesting too. So this one has received 38 comment letters on the proposed rule change. So um, as of right now, everything these these two, the Van Eck and the Bitwise one, are getting pushed back. 
until October 18, 2019. And that would be a total of 240 days from the date they initially had applied. So overall, this is really good news. I know a lot of people were hoping for an ETF today, but frankly, it's just not ready yet. And let me preface this with saying that, you know, I don't know anything, but if I can speculate here, I would say the SEC and the CFTC and the rest of those regulatory agencies want to make sure that they kind of push their foot down a little bit more. And the fact that the CFTC is going after Bit, BitMEX right now is kind of them putting their foot down a little more. And then the fact that the, the New York Attorney General's office is going after Tether right now is them kind of putting their foot down a little more. Um, I also think that the SEC uh, is reluctantly reluctantly holding out for backed and for um, and for them to launch. I really think they want somebody that can manage uh, the Bitcoin order book and kind of pull it away from BitMEX. I really think that's what's really going on. Again, this is just pure speculation, but ultimately I would I would say if it doesn't get approved in October, then we probably won't see a Bitcoin ETF until, you know, the following year. Um, by then it, by then I would I would imagine that either Bitcoin would have already ran up or that would lead to the next big run up after the halving. So either way, I'm going to be looking at October. October is the next date that I'm looking at here in, in, in crypto and seeing how the markets are going to sway. Uh, there is another Bitcoin ETF here in September. We'll monitor that. I don't think the Phoenix one has any chance of going through, to be honest with you. So if that gets denied, I would not be surprised. Uh, but I'm looking to the October one. If, uh, like I said, if, if it gets approved, I can see us having a really good winter. Um, if it doesn't, then I want to see how that's going to affect the market. Let's find out. Uh, but at that point, people are going to resubmit. It's going to happen again, right? You're going to have this whole process all over again. And so I would say it probably a Bitcoin ETF at that point wouldn't happen until after the halving, which would be after May. So uh, at that point, that this could be the next big catalyst to the ETF, but it is going to be a big catalyst long term uh, just because of the ETF market and how much it's expected to grow here in the in the short, you know, five year term. Right. So um, I think I think that's all I got. I think we've covered everything here on the Bitcoin ETF Insider. Um, and if you guys have any questions, feel free to shoot them in the comments or send me an email. All right. You know, what a time to be alive. Like seriously, um, we are such in a good spot right now as far as um, making our, you know, kind of way into this next revolution that is going to be digital currency. The true deep big picture questions are about the nature of money and why Bitcoin is a better sound of money. Um, these are debates worth having and in future terms in, in the future this is going to have the most immediate impact and ultimately if you're human and you're living on earth right now and you have some bitcoin that you're holding here the long term you're going to be a lot better off in the future than you would if you didn't have it so i, I strongly urge you out there to let everybody know that it's your family your friends that they need to buy some bitcoin they don't want to miss something that's once in a lifetime see you tomorrow